Oh my gosh, welcome back. Hello. Welcome back. Hello, welcome back. It's been a little while. Welcome back to the Solar no. Spill. Thank uh, you. Yeah, my name is Tavi. I'm Susanna. And this is the Solar Spill. This is Sun Commons Podcast. Great uh, to see you here. Great to, great hear, to you hear, here. hear you here. You hear you uh, It's been a little while, <laughs> uh, and we apologize for our absence. We were just, you know, busy running a film festival. Just a little thing. Just a little thing. A little old thing that yeah. we put on. Yeah, it was really, I mean, it was, it was, it was really fun. It was pretty amazing. It was, and it was really impactful. It was like very inspiring and yeah. emotional. Yeah. So in case this is the first time you've ever heard the solar spill, uh, check out the last episode where we interview yes. uh, our creative director behind the Climate Action Film Festival. Uh, Climate Action Film Festival uh, took place over two weeks from like March 2nd through the 14th. Uh, and it was like filled to the brim with incredible, inspiring uh, stories of essentially uh, people like pushing back against climate change. It's all stories of climate action. Uh, we sort of started this film festival uh, to, you know, to take a look at the landscape of all of these stories uh, about climate change that were that we were seeing out there, and so many of them were focused on like the sort of the the symptoms of climate change, the doom, gloom, and destruction of our beautiful planet. Um, sad. Sad, exactly. Sad, numbing, <laughs> terrible. So <laughs> Thank depressing. You so much for being my like push button soundboard. Like that they used to have like boring, boring or whatever. Sad. Yeah, yeah, it was really sad and numbing kind of in a way. Yeah. Well, and, and they're like, they're hopeless, right? Yeah. You watch them and you just think, well, shoot, there goes that. There goes that glacier. Yeah. There goes that, you know, beautiful Guess biome. I can't eat fish anymore. Exactly. So we decided uh, as Sun Common um, to sort of you know, put our money where our mouth is and our time where our mouth is and really just focus on um, stories of climate action. Because if we focus our lens and, you know, sort of our collective attention on the people that are out there uh, taking action, we know that we can push back against the sort of the inevitable, the inevitability or like the, the, the narrative that the worst symptoms of climate change are inevitable. So, you know, really uh, collecting a bunch of stories. And this year, um, panelists, speakers, uh, directors, subjects from the films uh, to join us for a bunch of really awesome conversations. So Susanna and I thought it might be really cool uh, to take this opportunity to sort of reflect on some of the stuff that we learned uh, from the Climate Action Film Festival. Yay! Yay! Soundboard Susanna! That's an actual nickname and I hope that sticks. <laughs> I, really, I don't. I do hope that sticks. Um, so yeah, like, you know, we basically, you know, we want to use the power of storytelling to inspire people to join the climate action movement. And um, we thought, you know, who better? Let's shoot our shot. And we basically were like, who better to sort of lead that uh, or invoke or, you know, give us some sort of invocation uh, of that sort of mission statement of the, using the power of storytelling to inspire people to join the climate action movement than Bill McKibben. You know, do, Bill do, McKibben. Do, do, do. <laughs> <laughs> Susanna editing. I, this is, I'm all here. I'm like completely here for this. This is great. Um, Bill McKibben. Bill McKibben's amazing. Yeah. I kind of still can't believe that we got him. I know. It's kind wild. of a big win. It is wild. We had some like we had some guests. We had some guests. We did. Power. It's pretty pretty amazing. Yeah. If I say toot my own horn, do you have like a toot your own horn sound? <laughs> no, not that. <laughs> but no, Bill, <laughs> Bill McGiven, um, who, in case you're just catching up to this whole you know green revolution, it, he's an environmentalist, an author, a journalist who has written extensively on the impact of global warming, as well as the leader of the climate group 350. Um, so Bill, big I mean, deal. yeah, and they're really, all about really storytelling deal. too, right? Yeah, it's like their whole MO. Exactly. Yeah, Bill is like all about how can I narrativize and how can I bring this incomprehensible, gigantic, existential, you know, threat down to the level of human stories uh, and and really make people, you know, want to join up 
and do something about it. So we were, I mean, we were honored to be joined by Bill McKinnon. Yes, it was huge. Um, yeah, it was really, really great. And uh, to that end, you know, we basically uh, had our festival director, Patrick, whose dulcet tones you'll hear on the last episode of The Solar Spill. Um, but we had him sit down for a little virtual, a virtual like sit down interview with Bill McKibben. And so we thought, why not share some snippets uh, of what Bill yes. had to say? You know, one of the most interesting questions in the whole climate fight is why it took quite a while for artists and poets and writers and filmmakers and things to get fully engaged in this fight. I have my theories on this. I wrote a piece maybe 20 years ago saying, where are all the librettos and all the novels and things? In the years since, we've seen a remarkable uptick finally in this kind of thinking. And what's happening, I think, is that people are making the adjustment after thousands and thousands of years of human history where the most interesting dynamic was the battle between different humans about different things uh, with the natural world as a kind of static backdrop uh, to the understanding that in our time, the background has become the foreground, that the um, interplay, the dynamic between humans and the natural world is now the most interesting, juicy, sexy, depressing, scary, powerful topic that we have. And so people are beginning to make remarkable art about this. And better, many, many of them are doing it in the context of joining the movement that's trying to stave off the greatest challenge that we've ever faced. We're losing the battle on climate change, though we are now to the point of building movements big enough at least to challenge the power of the fossil fuel industry. And that work depends on many things. But one of the things it depends most on is our ability to paint this new picture, to capture people's minds. Yes, but we've already, anybody who has a, applies their mind to this, we've won this fight. The consensus is clear about what needs to be done. Now we need people's hearts and their courage. And, and that is where art, um, that's where art's even more powerful than uh, physics and chemistry sometimes. So, uh, Susanna, um, any thoughts on that sort of snippet of a statement that we, we brought up from Bill's interview? Totally. I mean, first of all, I love Bill McKimmon. He's done so much for the climate movement. He's such a, an impactful and prolific activist. He's done so much. 350, amazing. Um, but I have to say I take a little bit of issue with one of the things he said here. And oh I know God. it's like, I feel a little controversial because it's Bill McKibben. How can I disagree with Wait, him? Let me sound more this. You're like, <laughs> no, no, that's not, that's not right. No, I know. Yeah. No. What did you think? No. What did you think? No. Um, you know, I, he says, he said a lot of interesting things in his interview that I did like, but he says this one thing about how, uh, you know, through the annals of time or whatever, all of our stories have been about conflicts between people. Right. And we are now finally realizing that Mother Nature isn't the backdrop of these stories, but Mother Nature is now a key integral part, like a character in these stories, because we're having these conflicts with nature. And mm. that is now a more interesting conflict than the conflicts we have with each other. Right. So we're finally seeing, you know, art and poetry and stories and everything written about climate change. And I just have to disagree. Sure. Sorry, Bill. No, why, why do you disagree? Um, 
I disagree because I think in all the films we saw in the Climate Action Film Festival and really in all the stories we hear coming out of the climate movement, these are not stories about man versus nature. They really are still stories about conflicts between people. Mm. And it's, you know, it's fighting over resources. It's fighting over treaties. It's fighting over you want to do this with this land and I want to do this with this oh, land. Oh, yeah, basic sovereignty. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Like, and, and nature is still a key part. It's a really important uh, character even in the stories. But at the end of the day, we're not struggling against nature here. The climate movement, the climate crisis we're in, it's still a struggle of people versus other people deciding what to do, deciding how to live, deciding how to use our resources and supply energy for the things we want to do. It is a story and a struggle about people. And I think that is actually why it is so moving as well, is because it is about people. These are stories about people. That was one of my favorite things about the festival this year is that we got to hear and elevate so many stories from people who are struggling against these systems made by other people uh, that are that are putting us in a worse position for climate change, that are putting us in a worse position for social justice and equity and, and climate justice. So um, respectfully, Bill, I love you. You're amazing. Um, but I think these stories are about people. And um, Cap did a really good job at, at putting people back into the picture, yes. especially people in black, brown, and indigenous communities. Actually, wasn't totally expecting that going into the festival and then watching the great lineup of films, I was really blown away at how we were really able to center conversations back on those folks mm -hmm. because environmentalism, let's face it, as a whole in the last 50 years, it's done a lot to make people aware of the issues that we need to take care of the environment, but it's done so by saying, hey, save the whales, care about the mountain, clean yeah. water, when in fact it's like, okay, well, who's actually you know, the people in the communities who are getting the shortest end of that stick, who are feeling the biggest impacts of fossil fuel infrastructure and fossil fuel pollution, it's black, brown, and indigenous communities. Right. And we need to be talking about them and sharing their stories and putting their experiences at the center because they're really being the most impacted by this stuff. Yeah. Um, and I was, yeah, I was super proud that CAF was able to put so many of those stories at the center of the conversation again. Oh my gosh, so many great points nested in your, in your not rebuttal, but in your sort of like complication or, <laughs> or unpacking of Bill's awesome yes. keynote address. Because what yes. I really think is like, I, I love that you brought in like black, brown, and indigenous people because like one thing that I started to get exposed to, especially from our first uh, Climate Action Film Festival last year, and, mm -hmm. and then even more so uh, this year's was like, this lens of um, looking specifically at indigenous and black brown you know, communities around the country, but around the world, perhaps one um, context that we might, we might like explore is like Bill's an American, right? Like Bill's yeah. like a white American. Yeah. And I'm like, as a white American as well, like I've grown up in this country, even as a first generation American with like ethnic roots, like in the Middle East and beyond, like, this story, American exceptionalism, the American identity is so exceptional for its relative lack of, you know, conflict on domestic soil that has, I know that's a wartime conversation, but I'm wondering if any of those elements also creep in into the climate movement where, yes, of course, there are American territorial, domestic territorial uh, biomes that are at stake. Like there's like the Line 3 protests happening right now yeah. in Minnesota. But largely, the people that bear the brunt of 
um, the, like are the are sort of the you know I'm using air quotes here and it's a horribly reductive word but like the victims of climate change the people who are experiencing it first or hardest are already marginalized communities and so their stories or their narratives are not uh, prioritized in our sort of American white Western lexicon as much North American white you know Western lexicon so like to give Bill uh, an inch which I, I I totally as as a as a white American as well I'd be like yeah maybe. Maybe the shift that Bill was talking about was kind of inward facing, was something that was for our community of like white Americans. Like maybe this is the hopefully less than a decade where our chickens come home to roost and we must start listening to the indigenous and to the marginalized communities that have borne the weight of and the responsibility of moving and shifting their lives around, you know, climate change. Um, so yeah, it's it's not that I disagree. I, I, I actually really agree with your perspective and I'm just sort of, kind of informing it with my own experience of like my own narrative mm -hmm. boundaries and my own awareness is like opening up and the aperture of what I can see is constantly shifting and opening up. So I really loved your points and it was like nested in there, um, especially like as a through line um, was that like that backdrop that you were mm -hmm. pointing out that like yeah. he called it like the static backdrop of nature. Right. Yeah. Um, I think like that was the thing, you know, that as we were talking about in the beginning of this episode, like that's the thing that's for so long been this like existentially too large to process concept for me where mm -hmm. I'm like, man, it's just like, I've never been a glacier. So I don't know what it's like to relate to a glacier melting. Right. Um, you know, but it's, it's big and it's, 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 it doesn't give you a way in for true empathy. Um, but I'm reminded uh, of another film like on that note, I'm reminded of another film that we saw at this past year's um, CAF uh, festival, which was called Oil and Water. Um, because in that story was the real kind of, it was my, probably my favorite film of the entire festival. And nice. right there in that one film, I saw the sort of plurality of, of how climate change can hit, like come, like connect with me. And what I mean by that is this, like Oil and Water is just this film about this giant oil company that's coming into this like indigenous, African tribal land, the semi-nomadic tribe of people that would like move around, basically follow the water and the animals by season. Um, and this oil company comes in and they're like, no, 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 like stay put, like help us work these fields and we'll, you know, pipe in water when there's a drought um, or we'll, we'll, we'll truck in water when there's a drought and we'll pay you some cash. And the oil company made this deal predominantly with the men of this tribe who for, you know, years were like, the entire run of this indigenous community's um, sort of tribal life uh, and ethnic identity, men had been the decision makers. So what I loved in that film, Oil and Water, was that there was this arc of the film being like, you're watching a calf selection. You're watching a climate action film festival movie about a big bad oil company that comes in to like destroy a community. But then the story transforms and in some ways it gets smaller and more intimate. And it actually becomes about this group of women in the tribe being like, you know what? Maybe the men shouldn't be making all the decisions for us. Like maybe they're thinking about cash in pocket right now, but they're not actually seeing the effects that this is having upon our society and the sort of the destruction of our ethnic way of life. And you know what, actually, maybe this is our hill to die on. Like we need to like organize, we need to rise up within our community so that we have some more collective decision-making power as women of this community so that we can unify and push back meaningfully against this oil company. And to me, like that was, that was exactly as you're saying, like that, that feeling that like, these are actually human stories. Yes, of course, nature is 
uh, foreground background as it you know as it becomes relevant to each you know individual individual micro narrative. But like this was a story about women like organizing to have a voice in their community, and that struck me in such a really really powerful way. So we were again privileged enough uh, to have the filmmaker of Oil and Water. Uh, join us for another conversation yes. um, with Patrick, uh, again, <laughs> our creative director of the Climate Action Film Festival. And she kind of gets into it. You know, she talks about like the humanizing aspects of documentary. Uh, so I'm just going to, well, let's, let's roll clip. And, let's uh, roll it. <laughs> rolling. Yeah, absolutely. So again, I was a foreign correspondent based in Nairobi and was writing about climate change and these issues for, for about a decade. And I think what, um, what struck me over and over is I was constantly telling the after story, the negative story um, about how, you know, all these communities were losing their land or their livelihoods because of development projects, because of climate issues and so on. And I think it's like, you know, this kind of negative news circle that kind of feeds into everything about climate change has left people feeling quite a lot of inaction because we feel like there's nothing that's possible. We feel like Nothing that we do, whether it's recycling or anything else, will actually impact um, the world around us. Um, and because of that apathy, it's like nobody's willing to take the first step for action. Um, so probably, you know, you know, thinking about how we start fighting these these larger chronic problems in a way that makes people feel like they can, like that inspires people to to want to be a participant in a larger, say, protest or a larger issue or buy an electric car or do really anything that's gonna help these larger issues is what my focus has become over the years. So really changing from like talking about the negative aspects about climate change and really starting to focus on highlighting people's stories that are doing something about it. So really it was a shift in kind of my um, journalistic career about thinking about what was important to activate people, but also probably quite personally, you know, feeling quite defeatist myself and like, you know, everything's terrible all the time. I probably needed some good news as well. So I think there's a little bit of both, like seeing what the appetite for people around me is, but also like, you know, I need to be inspired to think that we can change the world. And so I'd rather focus my time on highlighting individuals that are helping to do that. So that was Anjali Nair. That was the director of Oil and Water. Um, and Susanna, like, any thoughts there? Like, does that, does that sort of go anywhere for you? I mean, I love that she has basically summed up the mission of CAF right there within her own work. You know, the, the mission of CAF is to elevate the human stories of climate action to inspire other folks to also take action. And it sounds like that's exactly what's motivating her own work, which yeah. is awesome. It's just so cool to get to include you know someone's uh work and stories who are just working on exactly the same thing that the whole festival is which is awesome and it kind of reminds me of my favorite film which is matangi malohi mm -hmm. uh, which was about the pacific climate warriors because when i watch that film it's a short film it's three minutes it's um, a combination of a poem along with footage of um, the actual um, pacific islands and pacific islanders and uh, it's just, it's so beautiful. It's really, it's about fighting, right? It's about fighting and not being uh, a victim to what's happening, but really inspiring people to take action to protect what is important. Um, and for, for them, it's, it's homeland, you know, which I think that uh, just that concept of home, fighting for your home is just so deeply moving to everyone. Yeah. 
that even if you've never visited a Pacific Island, if you've never seen one, it's still vastly moving. You can connect it to your own own home and your own homeland, mm-hmm. and it's it's super inspiring. Um, yeah. But I think as a Pacific climate warrior, it's actually a little bit different. And we were lucky enough to talk to Kevin Ipopo, who was the speaker uh, in the film, and also Fenton Lunantumbwa, who was the poet who wrote the poem, and he also is the leader of the 350 group there. Um, and they just gave us so much more context about it, and really they kind of positioned it as the rest of the world is looking at us and they say, you're drowning. Right. You're going to be the first to go. Right. Woe is you. This is awful. Um, hey, rest of the world, we need to change because these people are drowning. Isn't that sad? And they don't, they don't want that story. You know, They don't want to be positioned as victims. They don't feel like victims. They're very angry, of course, that their communities and their homeland is going to be one of the first impacted by the climate crisis. But that's not the story they want to tell. And so they talk about this film and this poem as really being a repositioning and a, a, a just a changing of the narrative to be about them as climate warriors, as them fighting, um, and to inspire them and other people to do the same, to really fight for things that are important to you, like saving your homeland. Um, it was just, yeah, it was so beautiful talking to both Kevin and Fenton. I think we have a quote from them too, so we should listen to that. Yeah, let's do it. For me, I hope this film really tells the story of the journey to uplift our people in a way that is intentional and in a way that really comes back to this idea of shaping us, not just as mere victims of this climate crisis, right? But really we are the navigators we are the fisher folk, we're the healers, we're the nurturers, we're the artists, we're the poets, we're the dancers. Uh, and, and when you think about telling stories about climate crisis, not to give into the sensationalization of it, sens- sensationalization of it and, and to really lean into the, the complexity and the nuance of who we are as full, full human beings that, that experience that and experience the pain and, 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 and dance in the joy of what it means to, to be a Pacific Islander. So really, I want people to see us in our full humanity. I want people to see that, yes, while, we, while climate, the climate crisis is the lived reality for many of us, that, that's just a half truth, right? We're, we're full of truths, really just allowing this space uh, to be made visible in a way of our choosing, right? is so important. And I really hope people respond to that in a way where they recognize that this is a call to action, that the work for climate justice is is intersectional work, it's ongoing work, right? So figure out how this movie lands in your spirit and and what you can do at a local level to have a global impact. I think that's that's very, very important. Uh, I want people to really take, take that away from this, is to just be moved at least by this short, uh, m- you know, film of storytelling to to get involved. Yeah. Wow. I mean, look, this was one of the. I think this is one of like the only real big advantages to being forced to do like an all digital festival is yes. that like we were able to not just feature like 
the, the product of a of like a globalized community that's coming together around climate change like not just show the films but actually have access to the filmmakers or the subjects of those films so like being able to have like you know fenton like come in for an interview from literally from the south pacific and just be like hey what's up like yeah. let's do this and let's talk like that's incredible and like i think there we have this you know incredibly informed international perspective from you know the south pacific to africa to canada and all the way back down to new zealand and like taking all of these you know these perspectives in i realize it's not just like an international struggle but obviously like a multi-generational struggle there's this one film rise that we showed uh this past year which was all about these incredible like kids who just looked around their community in new zealand were like there's no climate action group like there's no protest happening there's no general strike happening and this was around the time of Greta Thunberg's like you know strikes that they were happening regularly and they were like oh yeah no one's organized this like why would we have someone drive like you know 60 miles 70 miles 100 miles to go to this protest when that's just spewing more you know fossil fuels whatever but like it's like let's do this let's organize our community and they did like obviously like as a first time parent you show a child on screen and I'm gonna get emotional I know same I'm like <laughs> right I'm now, so proud of like, them see, see these guys are like <laughs> six years old up to like you know 16, 17 years old like yeah it would be utopian if they weren't fighting back against the end of the world you know I what know. I'm saying like I know. you have these kids who are like literally showing us the way and in the film being like obviously this is a multi-generational struggle obviously we the kids are here yo where's the last generation or three like it's time to step up yep. and i think you know obviously every generation is going to push back against the one that came before every generation that came before is going to think that the generation after like i don't know killed diner pancakes in favor of avocado toast or whatever but like there's always going to be that struggle right between uh, generations to understand each other but the, the call is so clear yes. you know the call is so clear when the powerless in this case by age like the group that has not yet come into the power structures that they're inheriting are calling on the powerful, the older, the people who are at the wheel right now to step up and do something. And it honestly, it's depressing sometimes when you think about like the amount of us, myself included, right? Like my generation and older that have not done the work. But there are some incredible examples of people who have done the work. Mm -hmm. And this was a like a... A terribly constructed segue I apologize uh, to basically say that like you know one of the other uh, really really special guests that we were so honored to have uh, grace us with her voice and with her presence was none other than Jane Fonda ba, 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 ba. <laughs> soundboard Susanna back at it again but look Jane Fonda has been fighting tirelessly for decades and she's got the receipts to prove it you know, protests against the Vietnam War aside, she's got like the fire drill Fridays that she's going on right now. And she's constantly been using her platform to consistently push back against the power structures that are most responsible for our climate crisis. I think she's at a line three protest right now. Oh yeah, right? dude. She, so she, yeah. she shot her keynote address for our protest, uh, for our, um, for our film festival and then got in touch with one of the filmmakers, uh, Jan Hopkin, who gave us the feature documentary yes. Necessity. Yes. Um, incredible. And Jen was like, yeah, Jane, we need you in Minnesota right now. And of course, Jane was like, I'm there. I just got goosebumps. I know, man. Woo. Jane is like everyone. That's awesome. Yeah, she's just amazing. So she took time out of her busy schedule uh, to deliver us an incredible keynote address. Um, and so she, we're just going to play a short clip. Uh, this is basically Jane Fonda. The full keynote is incredible. We'll make it available uh, online soon enough. But she was basically talking about the, the importance and the role of civil disobedience in the climate uh, struggle. 
So this is none other than Jane Fonda at the Climate Action Film Festival. Take it away, Jane. You see, for more than over three decades, climate scientists and activists have lobbied, petitioned, marched, made documentaries, ran campaigns, pleaded, and divested. And in those three decades of passionate work, carbon dioxide emissions have increased, global temperatures have risen, and no elected leaders have really taken action even close to what science demands. None of our advocacy, as usual, is delivering results at the level and speed needed, and we're running out of time. That's why this is an emergency. And that's why we believe it's time for widespread civil disobedience to force action. And guess what? A growing number of people, 13 million of them, according to the Yale Program on Climate Change Communication, have said they are ready for civil disobedience, but nobody's asked them. So we have our job cut out for us, don't we? We have to ask them. I call them the great unasked. Engaging in acts of civil disobedience can mean aligning our whole bodies with our values, and this can be liberating and transformative. It can also create change in those who observe it, inspiring others to reflect on whether they too are ready for action. One person's inspirational action can move another person to act. We need to engage in nonviolent civil disobedience now because the climate crisis is so urgent and we're running out of time. And we know that throughout history, that's what shifts the context in which issues like the climate crisis are considered creating pressure to force leaders to act. So let's do it. Thanks for attending the Climate Action Film Festival and keep fighting the good fight. Inspiring. Jane Fonda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just amazing. I like, I know I'm not like super starstrucky, but like I was pretty starstruck. That's yeah. Jane Fonda. That's yeah. amazing. It's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, we just wanted to put a little sort of a little tasting menu together for yeah, you guys. Yeah, a little petit four. Some of the things that we uh, really enjoyed, really absorbed uh, from the Climate Action Film Festival. And we wanted to hip y'all to hip y'all that was wow that was two generations of bad i was about to call you a name i probably shouldn't hip call you y'all too well i'm just gonna let's that's start it. that over let's start that one over again <laughs> Susanna, do you want to tell them about uh, everything that we got coming up because i just I'm, maybe i should be the sound boy. it's probably you do much better sounds than i do um <laughs> But yeah, Jane Fonda was incredible. So let us take this opportunity to remind you that we have an encore of all this fabulous content coming up around Earth Day. Yeah. So if you are interested in seeing these films, you want to get inspired, you want to get angry, you want to cry, you want to hear some incredible stories of people taking real meaningful action against climate change, come sign up for the Earth Day encore of the Climate Action Film Festival from April 22 to 25. Yep, and then you can just basically search for Suncommon and Climate Action Film Festival. It's going to be suncommon.com slash climate action film festival. So from the 22nd through the 25th, we will be hosting an on-demand uh, sort of, uh, yeah, like a, like a best of cut of some of our favorite content from the Climate Action Film Festival. That's short films uh, plus uh, like cuts from our discussions, um, panel discussions and interviews with some of the filmmakers. And we will definitely include the Jane Fonda keynote. Yes. It's just a little too cool to pass up. As well, we have put together a very special package of 
some of the best uh, films and interviews from the Climate Action Film Festival that is specifically tailor-made for you to host your own climate action. (laughs) Any of you, listener, you listeners, not you, Susanna. Oh, Oh, no, no, you could do it too. I want to host my own? You could, yeah. Basically, just go to suncommon.com slash climate action film festival and you'll see a link to basically host your own climate action film festival event. In that link, we're going to provide you not only a password protected video file that you can share uh, with your community, but also uh, a really cool discussion guide um, and lots of sort of additional info around the films um, and the topics that are covered so that you can facilitate a really powerful and inspiring sort of screening or like, you know, group talk session. So it's a really great package that we're putting together. Um, it'll be freely available. You just need to sort of apply to grab one um, so we can track where all those files are going. So Earth Day Encore, 22nd through 25th, freely streaming on suncommon.com slash Climate Action Film Festival and get in touch with us if you want to host your own event. Um, I can't wait to see all the incredible events that people are going to host. Oh my gosh, it's going to be amazing. I know how inspiring and impactful this was for us. And I'm just so jazzed to think about other people being inspired and then getting to share it with their communities too. Yeah. This is They're such be, great stories. It's such, yeah, such great stories, such great secondary content. Um, and really folks, like, this is it. You know, we've only got a finite amount of time to, 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 to really fix this or to, to yeah. make this not as horrible as it could be. So please... Learn something, feel something, get inspired, and take a climate action. Take yes. action. So for the solar spill, uh, I'm Tavi. I'm Susanna. And uh, oh yeah, we also work for this company called Suncommon, who are awesome and do uh, solar roof, ground, canopy installs all around the Hudson Valley, all Don't around upstate storage. New York and Vermont. Oh, storage! Wait, is there a sound effect for storage? Bow bow bow. So get in touch with us uh, for all of your solar needs as well. Thank you so much for listening, y'all.